Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. This is another money show. Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. JR and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and JR Rochford. Here we are, your hosts, Anthony Correo and J.R. Rochford, taking a break from our day-to-day as financial advisors with Rochford & Associates, a fully independent fourth-generation family office right here in the greater Phoenix area to bring you information you may not find on those other radio shows. We're aware the last thing you need is another money show, but we appreciate you being here. And in fact, we've got a special guest uh, this week for you too. J.R., who do we got? Well, actually, Anthony, I'm here every week, but I appreciate that. I mean, you pitched that in nicely, but actually, this is not new. No, actually, I'm super excited. We have the one and only Seth Leapson here. Mr. Leapson is a radio show host, a writer, a policy and political and communications expert, the former vice president of Empower America and one of the nation's premier think tanks. And he also happens to be the host of the daily radio show right here in Phoenix on 960 The Patriot. The Seth Liebson Show. Well, the thing I'm probably most proud of is, um, or I think is the most important, is uh, that uh, with a group of friends, I started a uh, drug uh, drug prevention, drug abuse prevention organization uh, last year, Coalition for Youth Drug Abuse Prevention. Um, the stop starts here. org is the website, and uh, that's the thing that I do mostly when I'm not on the radio. I work in drug abuse prevention. Um, that's been a passion of mine for years, and uh, the crisis is worse than it's ever been in our nation's history, so hopefully we'll be able to do something about it. We're brand new, and that's the thing I'm, I'm really most proud of. Nice. Very nice. And you don't want me to make jokes, right, about you being a buzzkill? This inappropriate? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm in your hands. So something I do want to bring up before I forget, on March 26th, I believe yeah. it is, Fighting for Freedom. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So the station we're all on, 960 AM, uh, The Patriot, every once in a while we bring in um, some hosts from uh, our national syndicate and uh, we like to do community events. So we're bringing in Mike Gallagher, who's heard here in the Phoenix area um, from uh, uh, in the mornings uh, from uh, 6 AM to 9 AM. So he's coming in and Brandon Tatum, Officer Brandon Tatum, will be joining us. So the three of us will be on stage March 26th, talking about the stakes in this election, taking a lot of Q&A from the audience, and people can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. We're real excited about it. I left out the fact that you're an author, and there is a book. I, I dug into this a little bit. You co-authored a book called The Fight of Our Lives, Knowing the Enemy, Speaking the Truth, and Choosing to Win the War Against Radical Islam. Yeah. The reason I bring this up, I would say the heaviest thing on my mind, my biggest thing on the planet right now, these open borders. We don't know what to expect yet. And obviously, this is not a political show. This is a financial show. But we talk about current events and how they're going to affect your finances. Everybody knows these open borders are costing a great deal of money. We're all learning about NGOs. We're learning about the lack of transparency with funding. But there, there's another 
gorilla in the room that nobody seems to be talking enough about. You know, I, I keep hearing these snippets, military aged males are coming across the border. You know, I have a question for you. The uh, presumed potential alleged possible terrorist that was seen on videotape almost uh, threatening the country a few weeks ago, that, that's gone. That's out of our, our media cycle. Your book talked about this, what, in 2012? Yeah, I mean, it's you were, uh, you were ahead of that. I, I saw the 60-minute special about 15 years ago talking about how all 50 states have uh, training camps in them. So Arizona being one of those 50 states, as far as I understand. Anthony and I went to a class on Muslim Brotherhood in this country. I've taken the class three times. Anthony took it once. It's it's startling. I'm thinking about this book. I'm thinking about the open borders. And then I get an article yesterday on the 6th, actually, by the way, today is the 7th of February, 2024, as we record. Yesterday on the 6th of February, I was poking around on Judicial Watch. And there's an article here. U.S. allots $15 million to help Islamic nation that hates America fight climate change. We're, we're giving money to be the one to kill us. The nation, by the way, I won't make you, uh, I won't tease this like the article did a little bit. It's Bangladesh. Anyway, so a part of our spree of giving away every dime that we actually don't have, $15 million for Bangladesh to help a nation it, under the guise of climate change. I read the entire article. I read about how ISIS trained in Bangladesh. I read some of the other, you know, people that are being trained there. The end of the article talks about how this money, why this money is going there. It's going there to underserved people in Bangladesh. It's kind of like the money in this country is all not, it's going to illegal immigration, not to the, the food insecure and the poverty level people. They're, they're going to do that with our money in Bangladesh. Now, you know, we've heard enough about Ukraine. Yes, uh, last, what is it, last week, we understood that, uh, I know, actually, it was a couple of days ago, we understand the border bill failed, you know, and they, they were going to give three times as much money to Ukraine as they were the United States. That doesn't make sense to the border. It was the border bill, and yet three times the money was going to go to Ukraine, then to the border. Help me out here, Seth. I've been to the border a few different times, and about three months ago, roughly, uh, some friends of mine who do a lot of traveling around the state, they're retired and they spend some time down around Ajo, Arizona and that area uh, near the um, near the Lukeville border. They said, you got to come see what we're seeing. We've never seen anything like it. And I said, it's a commitment. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a five hour day. I, I, I kind of know the issue. I cover it. And they go, no, no, you got to come see it. And they sent me pictures of long lines, hundreds of men, like you were describing, who knows their ages, 15 to 30, um, all very darkly complected. These weren't people coming from Central America. They were coming from Africa or the Caribbean. And they said, please come, please come. So I went and went down to the Lukeville border and they were right. And I'm glad I did. There was no other reporter there except one. You see her on Twitter a little bit. She's with News Nation, Ellie Bradshaw. And she spent a lot of time with us, and we spent a lot of time walking around. All of these people are coming from Africa uh, at Lukeville, and I made a stink of it on air, and then everyone started covering it and became a big news story for a, um, for a lot of networks. Uh, what is happening there is happening with impunity, and it's also happening at other border entries, whether Texas or, uh, or whether we're talking about some of the other areas in Arizona or Southern California. 
And yeah, they are all, they are almost all young men. Um, we don't catch them all. We do release most of them. We do give them money. We sometimes give them a date to reappear. We take their word as to whether they are asylees, and uh, we have no way to check that their documentation is accurate. In fact, if you walk around where I did in Lukeville, as you can do it at the Douglas or other entry ports, you will see a lot of passports, a lot of airplane tickets, a lot of identification cards on the ground. So we really tell ourselves a lie when we tell ourselves we know who these people are. We really don't. And we don't know how many are getting away either. Obviously, there's no way to count what um, what we can't capture. Uh, we know what 19 can do with $500,000. I was in Washington, D.C. on 9-11. And uh, I think you need to be very, very concerned about this. I think the rest of the country does too. And it's a sign of failure, really, that we refuse to stop this. We, we can stop it. It's not about ability. It's about will, which means it's a political question um, with a political solution. What you are seeing now, just to give you a sense of the scale, is you have about per month the number of illegals crossing into this country that you had per year in the previous administration. So things can be done about this. And, you do, and we do know how to do it. It's about whether we will do it. And I think, yeah, I think it's, um, it's an insult, not just to uh, our fellow Americans, but our most vulnerable Americans. I mean, did the vets have all the money they need? Is our veteran medical health care system uh, just in tip-top shape? Uh, are we doing and taking care of those who serve us in our armed forces? Thank you for your family's commitment. I kind of perked up when you said you had, uh, you had family in Okinawa. This is generational. My dad was in the Battle of Okinawa. So uh, kind of interesting uh, that uh, these, these threads continue. But yeah, this is, this is a crisis uh, already. Uh, it brings with it crime. It brings with it uh, drugs. It brings with it uh, child sex and sex trafficking. It brings with us uh, cartel, with, brings with it gangs and cartels. And it costs this country tremendous amounts of money, whether it's in education and what it costs to educate illegals who do stay here, um, whether it's in healthcare whether it's in crime. We're not talking millions of dollars. We're not talking billions of dollars. We're talking trillions of dollars. So it is a drain and it is a threat. And we have $34 trillion in debt on the books. So if we're adding trillions to that, that scares me. So, you know, and I, I look at kids, I look at the future of this country and I'm nervous. I mean, you got to figure if we don't have a jihad in this country, if we don't go into civil war, these, these younger generations, Anthony, producer Jim, they have to fix the borders, healthcare, politics, you know, the division, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. There's a lot on the table. So my father used to always try to explain to me, there's a difference between important and urgent. This stuff at the border is urgent. And I flip the channels just to see what mainstream America is watching. I go on Facebook to see what people are posting. I mean, I, I watch, you know, I listen to NPR. I, I try to listen to everything I can and make sure I'm well-informed. And I read The Art of War years ago, so I understand knowing the enemy. I'll tell you what, I'm in shock. I mean, you know, these people that watch The Mass Singer and these people that, that are stuck in normalcy bias, they're safer. I'm going to have the heart attack. But if we don't wake up and start changing the direction of this country, we are in deep, you know what? And I, I'm tired of it. We took on this show on our dime to sound alarms. When I met you and I talked to you for a minute and I said that this show, it, it's not like the other financial shows. We're, we're, you know, our, our motto is we want you prepared, not scared. 
We want you proactive, not reactive. How, how can I not talk about these things that are of such importance, knowing that I mean, the stock market, you know, and I do want to take you financial today, not just borders and politics. Holy cow, Moody's downgraded NYCB today and the market's still at all-time highs and record after record. Am I really going to come on here and explain buy low, sell high, Roth conversions? Can I really be a normal financial advisor, which I've been for going in on 30 years now? Can I really, with a good conscience, try to sell people, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, that sort of stuff? Not right now. So I, I guess I segued myself into finances. Yeah, I'm sure you've been watching New York Community Bank. Are you hearing about this? You know, no. All right, basically, no. what's going on? We, we have been sounding the alarms. Anthony joined the practice almost six years ago. When Anthony came in the practice, I, I had explained to him about the FDIC and the lack of funds in that, in that program. If, if you, Seth, if you tonight go on your computer, go to FDIC.gov, then look up in the little search bar, DIF, the Depositor Insurance Fund. You're going to see on their own site that the coverage amount on covered accounts, which means under 250000 1.10% coverage. So the, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation is absolutely broke. The too big to fail, we saw that last year with Silicon Valley Bank. Those banks are going to be, you know, the rich, the ultra wealthy might be okay. The rest of us are not. So fast forward to this NYCB. They are one of the ones that bought up the assets last year of the troubled banks. They since have grown to over $100 billion. So now they're being watched a little closer. Well, you, you look at the commercial real estate you know, issues we're seeing. You look at the whole picture. These banks are in deep trouble. Six years ago, I told Anthony, we're going the wrong direction. Start having some cash. You know, I, I look at it like in this job, I've been early, but never yet wrong. So with NYCB, in a little funny side story, my next door neighbor at our office, it used to be a local bank called Desert Hills Bank. Well, they went south. I was actually in my office on the Friday, got to see a bank takeover, got to see the FDIC SUVs pull in, and it's like the movies. Black SUVs, dark tinted windows, guys with suits, somebody telling me to kindly go back into my office, which I didn't take too kindly to. So I went in my office and I made some phone calls and got some clarification on what's going on here. But anyway, so a failed bank from 2008 or nine called Amtrust Bank bought Desert Hills Bank when they went south. They went into receivership. Well, it turns out there was no Amtrust Bank. They had, they had gone south. New York Community Bank bought the name and bought the assets of that Amtrust Bank. So now they bought Desert Hills. And, and I, I said to Anthony, this is not going the right direction. We're going to have problems someday. Well, the problems are here. So last March, when these banks were failing, we were telling people, if you've been listening to us, you already have some cash. You have some money out of these systems. You do pay down debt. You might even buy, buy some hard assets, do other things with that liquid money. This bank- Yeah, I want to I wanna sidetrack real quick to your point, because we talk about the quarterly reports and the annual reports, and you just said that the banks failed in what, March of 2023? So they've Correct. just released their third quarter statement. Um, I just added to the group chat so you can see. The FDIC insurance, which was supposed to secure those funds for the failing banks, actually increased since March of last year, according to the third statement. So the FDIC never actually paid 
to cover any of these banks. So where did that money come from? That's a great question. So is that an NGO? Is that a like, you know, somebody's getting shuffled under the table and it's going to the banks? One of one of the interesting things that you're bringing up has kind of been of a, um, a pet peeve or a concern of mine over the last, I would say, year or so, which is, you know, the examples you're talking about in the financial sector or the banking sector or the stock and investment sectors all related um we're just kind of getting used to some kind of new abnormal aren't we and making it normal and it's it's emblematic of what's going on in the travel industry and especially with airlines um it's emblematic with what's going on in so many other areas healthcare um education um just even grocery shopping and the way slowly things are just changing into something we no longer recognize in this country. It's, it's, I don't know if it's a new abnormal that's becoming normal. I kind of refer to it as the new suck. Things just kind of suck around here. Things just kind of don't make sense. And we're all walking along acting as if it's normal. Um, I can do it a little politically. I mean, I watched the president answer some questions yesterday and um, he's enfeebled. And his spokesman, his press secretary, who we used to call a spokesman or a spokesperson, is no more articulate. And the vice president is somewhere in between those two inarticulate poles. And we just all go along like this is normal and everyday life in America. Welcome to it. That's not the way it used to be. And not that long ago, probably since COVID uh, or pre-COVID is, is, is before things started to change quite noticeably. And yeah, now with the banks and where you can go into a bank and not be able to get money out. And we just kind of get used to this. It's not healthy. Um, and it's not, um, not only is it not healthy, it's not good for our future. Um, so to the degree that you're describing yet another area where things just aren't the way they were three, four, five years ago, and really for the first 200 years up until five years ago of this nation's existence, um, we're declining. We're declining in a lot of areas. We're declining in education scores. We're declining in uh, age longevity. Um, we are rising with drug abuse, deaths, and suicides. These are unheard of things in an advanced capitalistic society. Unheard of. And uh, yet we just go on because no one wants to talk about the various emperors who don't have clothes. Um, and they just want to talk about, you know, other things or the distractions you were talking about. Uh, so yeah, I've noticed it a little bit, not as drilled down and specific in your industries as you mentioned it, but I've noticed this is routine now in almost every sector or institution in America you can think of, and it's not good. Seth, can I ask you something? Because I've made this point to JR a few times, but isn't this just cyclical? Isn't this just something that's kind of a part of a country's creation? You know, because JR says there, and there is a big age, gap between me and JR, but is it How's that big? as I hit older, I'm going to say these say, same things because I'm a little bit more positive than JR is, but I'm seeing all the same things. Don't get me wrong, but I've kind of, to your point, and JR calls it a normalcy bias, I've kind of just accepted because, you know, in the financial realm that we're talking about, things that could happen, you know, 2008 happened, the dot-com bubble happened. We had um, the Great Depression. So all the things that we're warning people that could potentially happen, this is something that we've already 
gone through and we've gone past it. You know, we're worried about the potentials of a civil war in this country. Again, this is something we've already gone through. So is it that much different or is it just that part in our history? Are things really that different now or are we just acknowledging the change in the cycle for for us? Because we weren't around during the Civil War. We weren't around during the Great Depression kind of thing. And yeah, no, that's a great point. I want yeah. you to take my side, never Anthony's. So let me just say how I've summed it up to Anthony. Anthony is correct. There's always been something to worry about. My point is there's never been so many things to worry about at once, which is the point you just made. When you look at the deaths, the suicides, all the stuff going on. And, and Anthony's right. But th there's too much. No country has ever made it forever. We're losing the world reserve currency. We, we've got that to just print my point, right? It's. There's no Ottoman Empire anymore. The Mongolian Empire is gone. The Ming Dynasty, you know, Alexander the Great, the Roman Empire, you know, we had our great time. Be gone. But of course we are. But that's just... A but I don't want to be gone yet. I don't want a president that talks to dead French presidents. It, it's all too bizarre. We, you know, we had a chance to impeach Mayorkas yesterday. Yeah, what's that? McClintock, Buck, what are their names? Uh, Gallagher. These people said, no, is he doing a good job? Is he closing the board? Sorry, Seth, we, we were supposed to hear from you, not me, but I- No, it's fine. It's fine. He can't help himself. No, it's fine. It's fine. And hopefully somewhere between the two of you is 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 a happy middle, but I'm not so sure. The great historian Will Durant, uh, writing about civilizations that failed, said they all have to ask themselves, or the historian has to ask themselves two questions. Uh, what created it? And what caused its failure? Those are the two most important questions about a civilization. You mentioned the Ottomans. We could talk about Roman. We can talk about any of them that have come and gone. And it is true. It is absolutely true that we have gone through serious stress tests. Uh, the revolution itself was was not inevitable. Uh, and of course, uh, the Civil War, and you mentioned them all, the Great Depression, you mentioned some of them. But one thing that's important, I think, to recognize in that sweep of history is um, that a lot of damage was done, and America does have a unique capacity for self-renewal, but that capacity for self-renewal is only based on an inevitability which depends on effort and ability. And so, for example, the Civil War, let's just take the worst division in America— the 1860s, um, it was about one huge big thing. And uh, even if Nikki Haley can't identify it, it was about one huge <laughs> big thing. But today, I don't think Americans agree on anything. Um, you know, during the Civil War, they would understand what a boy was and what a girl was. They would understand that what two plus two is, whether you lived in the North or whether you lived in the South. They would look at the same year, 1776, and try and interpret it and understand what it meant. Um, we don't do that here anymore. We don't have that anymore. We are so divided against ourselves. Lincoln spoke about a house divided. We have 10,000 houses divided across all aspects of our politics and, as you were mentioning, our economy. So I don't know where we go from here as confidently as we have in the past with capacities. You think about how much you may not like what Franklin Roosevelt did to get us out of, or to try and help get us out of the depression. You may not like the New Deal. Um, you may have concerns about what it is costing this country. 
But, you know, he was a president who cared first and foremost about this country and his countrymen. This was a man who was part of the Navy. This was a man who was a dedicated public servant. We don't have that anymore. We have people making decisions for us, and we have them, whether they're in education or whether they're in business or whether they're in political leadership, who don't even think this country um, is 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 worth saving. I mean, they, 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 in our schools, we have a project called 1619, which tells us 1776 wasn't even our founding. So what are we supposed to look to for that capacity for self-renewal if it's about 1619 and not 1776? Back to the Will Durant question, what made us? What made us great in the first place? Freedom, equality, and the right to pursue happiness. That's out the window in at least half of our public schools across the country, and according to the most um, important and most well-read journalists, so-called. You look at um, who's in the White House and who's leading this nation forward right now. It, it, it is someone who probably could not tell you if he were asked who he nominated to the Supreme Court. Um, you have a vice president that is bailing out rioters and soliciting funds to bail out rioters who are marching on behalf of a self-declared Marxist organization. This is not the kind of thing that inspires a capacity for self-renewal if the self-renewal is to be based on the things that made us great in the first place, which was our founding and our constitution. So I think we're in new territory, and I think we're in very different territory than we have been in the past. We agreed on almost everything and disagreed on one or two big things with, with our previous fights. Today, we are a million houses. I said 10,000. It might be a million houses divided. So I really am much more worried than I've ever been about America's ability to recover from where we are. All right, Anthony. Now, whose side do you think Seth took? That's all I want to do. And then I'm going to drop it's not about being on the side. We're all the same side. We're all American. I know. That's I know. No, it's, it's, we're an uncharted. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really important point. That's actually a hugely important point because I think we've lost that sense. In his, um, in his first inaugural, Thomas Jefferson said, and this will kind of tie together the things I was just saying. Thomas Jefferson, in his very first inaugural, said, we are all Federalists, we are all Republicans. Those were the two political parties at the time. Um, every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle. So he understood when he was campaigning against the party of John Adams and John Adams that they still... While they had differences of opinion, they didn't have differences of principle. I worry about today we having now differences of principle and not differences of opinion. Both, all of the above. Yeah. So we got to take a quick station identification break here. If we can help people, one person, one couple, one family at a time, better their situation, that's what we're here for. We're at 623-523. 0444. You can always email us, team at anothermoneyshow.com. And you know my little baby, the YouTube channel. We're trying to grow that. If, you, if you'd be so kind, like a few of our videos, share them around. We think some of it's really funny. We think of it some pretty serious. Doug's doing a great job. So please continue supporting us. Thank you so much. Seth, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. So we'll be right back and we'll do more of this. Remember, all of JR and Anthony's listeners receive a free financial consultation just for listening to the show. Visit anothermoneyshow.com to learn more and schedule an appointment. 
Thanks for listening to Another Money Show and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Another Money Show. I wish I, Seth, we're, we're not radio people. I mean, we're financial advisors. We look at statements and charts and graphs. I wish I could articulate what I've been saying like you just did. <laughs> I wish I could do finances the way you do. <laughs> what you need well, to come into like an opinion. Stuff. I don't know if there's a number email we could leave out there, but. All right. Are we ready to go back through it? Yeah. Get us back in. I You're thought we were doing another article. I never stopped. This is all part of the show. Get back. Get I need a break. We need a break. I was so excited that Seth obviously was taking my side. Oh, wait. We're all Americans. Yeah, you actually, you took a break. You finally let Seth talk. And we all appreciate that. Seth, I was counting. You... I kept a little timer on here. I was like, we're going to segment this and how much Jared talked versus how much Seth talked. Seth, if you ever go back and listen to any of our episodes, this is what we do every week. And people no, seem to love it. We play good rap, bad rap. Well, I mean, you know, don't, don't, don't you kind of miss conversation like this? I mean, yeah, that's, that's been lost too. You know, that, that, that art has been lost too. People don't talk with one another anymore. Right. I love the conversation. Yeah. Me too. All right. Let's talk about something a little bit different now. So, you know, my thing every week I find four or five, you know, sometimes 30 articles and I, I dig into them. I do all the work every week. So all you have to do is listen to the show and you'll be up to speed on what's going on in our world. So here's one for you from MSN. This came out on February 5th, 2024. A shocking new report found that hundreds of millions of our tax dollars earmarked to help struggling Americans through the COVID-19 pandemic were instead handed out to illegal aliens in Washington state. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. The transfer was approved by the Biden administration, according to EPIC. EPIC is the Economic Policy Innovation Center, allegedly. This means the Biden administration directly subsidized undocumented immigration under the guise of COVID-19 panic relief, the organization's report explained. I think I'm going to stop there on the reading. You know, money is being hidden. There is no money. You know, back to the $34 trillion in debt. There is no money. But this is incredible. This is COVID money, which... And I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat with Seth here, but I'm going to. You know that. So later this year, are we going to have to worry about COVID again? Disease X, Marburg virus, measles, listeria, salmonella. The one that I'm reading a lot about this week, Candida auris. Have you heard about this, Anthony or Seth? We're, we're all going to die from Candida auris. We, you've had this conversation since COVID stopped, though. Every time yeah. they talk about I'm a new virus, it's going to be the new co- if they planned it the way you think they planned it to shut down the economy and do whatever they were going to do, they already did it. You can't use that same playbook again while it's still. Oh, you use it again and again. Why did I just learn about Candida Oris this week? Yeah, Why you learned about learn something about ago, and the year before that. And you said and, the same thing about it. And I have a question. If we have money left in the COVID coffers from literally four years ago, why aren't we saving it in case I'm right? And we're going to have to set this question because this is another point of contention for us and not necessarily difference, but here's money that we already don't have for U.S. citizens going to other people. And I say, well, what does it matter? You know, Jer mentions we're 34 trillion in debt, which is a massive amount, way more than our GDP. 
but we've been like this for a bit and we don't plan on getting better. So if this is all fake money anyways, then where does it even matter? Why not can just continue the printing presses and hand it out to whoever? Give it to foreign nations. You know, it should be going to the VA and to helping soldiers and the homeless situation here in this country first. But if we're just printing money and giving it away, I mean, does, do the specifics even really matter? Is that to me? Yeah. Because I already know JR's point on it, and he's not wrong. I just, at this point, the government's just giving away free money. So the specifics is, it's almost the same story to me, regardless of where it's going. Well, I mean, I, th I think it matters, um, first of all, to people who can least afford it. There's a, dr dramatic, a direct proportion between the amount of spending we engage in and the amount uh, that that drives up prices for ordinary Americans to live their lives the way that they need to, and to the degree that they can't afford to, then you are, of course, burdening the system even further with uh, government security nets, uh, which will ever increase the cost and put us in a, you know, a, a cycle of nonstop, ever-expanding spending based on ever-expanding justifications for it. Um, I think uh, governments uh, certainly can go uh, bankrupt. Uh, we've seen it in our hemisphere. We've seen it in Europe, and we've certainly seen it in Africa and Asia. I don't know why we're immune to that, except that we just seem to have uh, a little more creativity and a little more of it. But a day will come when uh, it won't just be the people who can least afford it that will um, that will hit against that uh, red line. And um, yeah, I mean, you're right. For years, we have been warned about this kind of thing, Anthony. You're right. For years, we've been warned about it. But that's really the most important story, or excuse me, that's really the most important lesson about uh, the story of the boy who cried wolf. The most important lesson we tend to forget, which was at the end of the story, there really was a wolf. No, that's I great am analogy. that boy, Chicken Little, the boy that cried wolf, over and over. I, and I'm not going to back down. It's so funny because I, I I manage money into the future without a crystal ball. I try to make two and two add to four, and I can't do it on so many fronts, and I'm not going to back down. I have people, you know, why are you so nervous about things? Because they're not right. Right is right. Wrong is wrong, whether somebody's watching or not, and there's too many things that are not right. You know, and, and by the way, Seth, I've been in, in Anthony's life since he was, I don't know, 10 or 11. We, you know, we are stepson, stepfather. We care about each other. We hug. Anthony likes to hug a lot. He's very physical. So, <laughs> you know, we, at the end of the day, we all, we, we work together. We get along great, but we see things differently. First of all, I am 59. I'll be 60 later this month. Anthony is 33. Anthony came in the office six years ago. I was in the office in the late 90s. I sat here when the tech bubble burst. I was there the day the plane hit a building. I was there for 2008. I had to keep people calm. I had to understand financial planning is way more about psychology. It's about everything but financial matters. Anthony hasn't seen the tough times yet. So Anthony, in my opinion, is mildly stuck. And, and boy, he's got a wake-up call spending six years in the office. But it's like he hasn't really seen the pain that I've seen for people in the financial world yet, 
I believe he's about to. I think actually this year it starts, you know, and and no world, you know, the world's not going to end next Wednesday. It's going to end over a 20-year, very slow, painful period. That's what I think is going on. I, I just, I am called to wake people up. I am called to make sure people are prepared, not scared. I have people that are friends of mine and clients of mine that have put away some food and water. They don't mortgage their house to buy MREs and number 10 cans. They haven't drained their swimming pool and made it into an aquaponics bed, but they certainly can stay in their house for 30, 60, or 90 days. So if if there's a problem, all of a sudden, you know, the, the stakes are high. If Anthony is right and this this degradation of a nation can go on forever, he doesn't have to worry about it. And, I'll, and one day I'll have to apologize. You know, I'll have to do it on my deathbed. But if I'm right and things are going to go south, you know, that's, that's going to be a painful I told you so. And and, and I, I push Anthony's buttons every week. I bring up a new article about reparations, Evanston, Illinois, cities in California. I bring up universal basic income in different cities. I've got another one today. I've got, I've got here a California bill, Senate Bill 277. California bill will give unemployment benefits to illegal immigrants. So I push his buttons. Anthony keeps, you know, shutting me down with the fact that it, it doesn't matter. We don't have the money anyway. It's all fake money. It, it does matter to me. I want things in this country to change. I want to stop the direction we're headed on several fronts and start going a different direction. And what's so funny? Not for me. I, it really is for Anthony, Jay. It's for Nick. It's for you, Seth. You're younger than me. I want you to have a reasonable life. I mean, I, I, and I, and I, tongue in cheek, I just, I mean, of course, I want to have a happy life too. I always thought you get to retirement age, you, you've done the right things, you pay down your house, you save some money, and then you get to enjoy. My wife and I moved to Sun City, Arizona about a year ago now. And I look at it, I, I, I'm not going to see things around me that I care for. So I'm scared. I'm nervous. Well, one of one of the things I tend to um, worry about more recently, because I only became aware of the statistic recently, I would have been, I, I just didn't know this to be true, um, is it's it's probably a luxury for the three of us and maybe even um, everyone in the audience to have these discussions. But a high majority, like 60% of Americans don't have more than $1,000 in the bank. And that's a statistic I just recently became aware of. I, I'm, I'm kicking myself that I didn't know that. So I think it's perhaps a little easier for us to talk about these things in theory or with hope or hopium, as some people like to talk about it. But there's a lot of real hurt out there. And you think about 60% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Um, so, you know, I, I just say that to remind people that for as well as it seems a lot of us may be doing, a lot more aren't. And um, and it's important, I think, that we recognize that we don't talk to each other about these things uh, in that silo because there's a lot of people out there who are very concerned about these things, and rightfully so. So we're... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say no, the term silent depression. Yeah. I've had that, that's the phrase that I've learned uh, recently, as well as uh, um, financial precarity. I don't know if you've learned that word, precariousness. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Pre precarity based on precariousness, you know, on the edge, teetering. Uh, a lot of people live with employment precarity or financial precarity. 
things are things are easy for us to talk about, a lot harder for others to talk about. They don't even have the luxury or time to talk about it. And that's kind of why we have this show. We bring this up a lot, actually, all the points that you're making is that we just we there's the death of the middle class. There's a reason why so many people are rooting for a government that's going to pretend to give assistance. And I say pretend because I feel like the Democratic Party runs on this platform where we're going to take care of the poor and they do, but they still keep them down. It's not to uplift anything. It's still down. But, you know, you talk about the 60 percent with a thousand less. I mean, the stats we've seen are 50 percent with 500 less. It's everybody has to work harder just to kind of maintain. And I think that's the biggest thing that this country has lost. But the silent depression is that if you know you break the numbers down, we're already in a worse position than we were in the 1930s. People don't realize it because back to your point again, you've normalized the suck. You know, JR's term normalcy bias. We've just this is where we've gotten. It got to the point where we're not building up the generations behind us. We cashed out as a country, and now those that were able to cash out the highest are going to continue to run that that way. And that's the, the scariest thing. And so that's, I mean, on our show, we're really big on debt management. Don't owe anything to anybody. You shouldn't be out there trying to make, you know, 2,000% on your investments like your Nancy Pelosi. Like, you should be able to... NVIDIA. Yeah. NVIDIA. Anthony, I'm sure you saw. She yeah. just scored another, what, $1.8 million on that option? Yeah, the whole all option. It. I mean, it, and it's not just her. She's an easy target. So I almost feel bad picking her all of the time. But it's all of no. They shouldn't be able to trade individual stocks. They're not public servants anymore, like you mentioned, you know, previously in this country. No, I'm they're with you. politicians and they're, they're career lobbyists, essentially. I'm with you on all that. We all know how bad debt is. We were talking about it at the governmental level, but think about it at the personal level, the kinds of things you're warning against, uh, Anthony and JR. You, 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 you discourage debt. But when you have a situation where prices have increased uh, beyond imagination and you have a situation where people only have 500 to $1,000 in their rainy day fund, you are encouraging them to spend gasoline money and grocery money on their credit cards, are you not? Yeah. So all of this kind of feeds the problem, the very problem you're trying to solve. And the scary thing is the government is running their finances the exact same way yeah, you prescribe right. individuals. And they can so go into debt a little deeper than most human beings. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we're most afraid of because this train can keep rolling as long as people keep buying in. Bon Ponzi schemes work if people keep buying in. As long well, as other they countries keep buying the U.S. dollar, then Which the they're US not. Thing. They're starting to drop it, but they're not there yet. But that's what we're watching because right now, when you only have a thousand dollars in savings, that means you're running off credit. That's the only thing that's getting people by, and it's very similar to the country as a whole. We are running on credit because as soon as we stop having that credit, this country fails. So that's why we're really closely watching the BRICS system. Anybody that's trying to as essentially stop using the U.S. dollar because that's going to be the death of this country. But it's, it's the exact same way that individuals are trying to get by to. As soon as that credit stops, they're done. And it's how do you fix that? How do you get ahead of that game? 
And the first thing is you have to see it. You have to know about it. I mean, Seth, you said you just recently learned about how few people have $1,000. I've been screaming to people for two decades. The rich are getting richer. The poor are hovering and the middle class is shrinking. Well, it's getting to be a critical point. You know, this, and it always has seemed to me, the more you have, the more you have to lose. So I actually feel bad for the people that don't have a mortgage. They've got hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions. They're going to have a wake up call too. You know, you hit that, Seth. It's like, it's it's going to come out of just affecting those people that have to live on their credit cards, which by the way, we set another record this week on the amount of credit card debt. We're at about a decade high on credit card defaults, the payments. We're, we're on about a decade high of the the auto loan, late payments. It's it's all coming at once. And I, and I know I am such half empty. I realize that. I, I pride myself on never being an optimist or never being a pessimist. I am a realist and nothing I am seeing is making me lean towards optimism right now, I have to admit. Well, um, you know, the idea that more and more people are waking up and listening to people like yourself and these shows, I mean, you're right. Information is, um, is, is, is the first task in all of this. Um, I, I, I don't have a lot of encouragement to add on it except to say this that you know people talk about how we can dig out how do you how do you dig out a 34 trillion how do you dig out of these uh trillion dollar budget deficits there are public policy things we can do um and i think again it's about will more than ability uh we were talking about the illegal immigration issue earlier um, do you know what, just whether it's caused by illegal immigration or not, I mean, just crime itself costs us trillions of dollars. We have gone on a crime spree in this country, in our major cities, which are vacating. If we took crime seriously the way we used to, you will see trillions of dollars of savings. If we took education seriously the way we used to, including things like teacher quality, you could see savings of trillions of dollars. If you took drug abuse and 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 substance abuse seriously, you would be saving trillions of dollars. If you took the healthcare um, issue and something as as seemingly simple as obesity and looked at what that's costing our healthcare system, you would be saving trillions of dollars. All of these things can be done if we have the will to do them. That's the good news. This is not about ability it's about the problem is there's a lot of money in all of those things you just mentioned Mm -hmm. and do you think this country is going to allow themselves to stop making money in those industries the the officials that get elected to positions i feel like are you know that's the whole lobbyist is its own career move is to find those I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. There are truth tellers. Uh, You guys are truth tellers. I'm a truth teller. There are people running for office who are trying to tell the truth about these things. Um, So I I don't know. But there are congressmen who don't take any lobbyist money. There are some. They're not the majority. There are some. And it seems that this Republican form of government that we have is... um, is not a spectator and should not be a spectator sport. So while you guys walk in the economy and po- and political uh, arenas, I work in the political arenas. And um, 
Ronald Reagan said his most um, most favorite word in the English language was citizen because to him it indicated that it required action and activity by the people. And that's that's my kind of drive in life uh, when I'm on the air or when I'm doing the public policy stuff. My drive in life is to get people to care and get them to motivate and get them to activate because um, you can sit by and watch it all go by and watch your country and your state and your city and your family go to hell or you can do something about it because we do have the tools. We do have the means. Action about- is key. You're right. I love that, Seth. Sir. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, we just got word from Jim. We got to wrap up, but I really appreciate you being yeah. on the show today. No, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we, is it three to six that you're on? Yeah, Nine- right here, right here, three to six, and you can get every show at 960thepatriot.com if you do miss it. Perfect. Well, thank we you. We appreciate you being here. God bless you all. Thank you. That is it for today's show. If you like what you heard, you have questions about any of the topics today, or you want to sit down with us to review your personal financial situation, you can reach out at team at anothermoneyshow.com. Uh, find us on the web, anothermoneyshow.com. You can book appointments right from there. Remember, there are no minimums. There's no cost for appointments. There's nothing to lose by getting a second opinion on your financial situation. We'll see you again next Saturday at noon right here at 960 The Patriot. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM. A registered investment advisor, BCM and Rochford Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. At Rochford & Associates, we know the road to financial freedom is not a straight path, and the journey is different for every family. And in times like these, we want you to feel confident that you're safely on track to meet your retirement goals. We want to ask you to prepare for economic chaos. We want you to prepare for bank volatility. We want you to insure and protect your assets with a smart plan. Our team can help you make the most of your hard-earned savings using strategies that are right for you. I want more people to sit down with us. When we talk about a financial plan, it's different for every person we meet. We tailor make our plans. Schedule your no obligation consultation today by calling 623-523-0444. That's 623-523-0444. Rochford and Associates, veteran owned and proud to serve Americans like you. Chapter 9. You can create your own personal pension. Big idea. Using an annuity to create a personal pension helps you create a lifetime income stream, but it also helps you leave a legacy for your beneficiaries. All annuities can create annuity income to supplement the income you need before or during retirement. Those who are approaching retirement are afraid that they will run out of money, but an annuity can help make sure you have income you can never outlive. An annuity can be a great investment for your portfolio, but I encourage you to be careful that you don't overpay for your annuity. When you put your money into an annuity, the annuity company will pay you your money back at a date you specify. You don't want an annuity company to charge you too much to simply pay your money back to you. 
I'm confident that leaving a remarkable family legacy is important to you. You likely want to have money left over when you pass away to leave for your beneficiaries. The goal of a personal pension is to generate lifetime income with no risk that grows your money and allows penalty-free withdrawals. An annuity can create a lifetime income with market-like gains and no market risk, while also allowing you to build enough wealth to leave for your beneficiaries when you pass away. Don't give the annuity company fees for doing nothing. We prefer fixed index annuities for our clients that do not have an income rider fee, but you can still create a personal pension without an income rider on your annuity. If you get an annuity with an income rider, but don't utilize the features of that income rider, then you are not getting what you paid for. You are literally just paying the annuity company 1% to 2% each year you defer annuitizing your annuity without receiving a single benefit for that annual fee. This income rider fee will also draw down your account value or principal. Depending on how that index is performing, the growth on your entire account value could be significantly and negatively impacted. Some accumulation-focused annuities are built to deliver increasing payments without an income rider. You should consider the features your income rider is providing you before deciding to purchase it as an add-on. Make sure you utilize the features you are paying for. More ways to get the most out of your annuity. The longer you wait to turn on the annuity, the more you'll receive in annual payments. This is because your annuity will spend a longer time in the accumulation phase, meaning it will spend more time building up your account value. Your annual payments will grow as your account value grows. Believe it or not, you can generate your own personal pension by distributing no more than 5% a year with penalty-free withdrawals from your accumulation-based annuity policy. Many accumulation annuities are set up to be RMD-friendly, so you won't suffer a penalty when you have to take your RMD. It would be silly for you to be penalized for something you are required to do. Annuity companies take this into account by creating products that make taking your RMDs easier. Inspect what you expect with any annuity. Don't just go with what the annuity agent or advisor tells you. Read it for yourself. Specifically, you should read the annuity illustration guaranteed and non-guaranteed tables included within the annuity illustration. Also, please remember that an annuity policy is a contract between you and the annuity company. So, caveat emptor, or buyer beware, applies here. Be aware of the annuity you are buying and choose an annuity that works best for you. They'll help you build a successful retirement and they'll offer you peace of mind. Whether you choose to generate income through penalty-free withdrawals or invest annually in an income rider, know the consequences of both. This is a decision you will make at the beginning of the investment process. One poor decision here can cost you 1% to 1.5% of annual growth. Over a 30-year retirement, this could come out to be a significant loss. Educate yourself on your options and the specifics of each option you are considering. Making the right decision up front will save you a lot of frustration in the long run. Also, please remember that if you withdraw too much annually, say 10%, you will run out of money in 10 to 12 years. Make sure that you're working with an advisor who can help you choose the appropriate withdrawal amount so that your money lasts for your entire lifetime. As discussed above, we recommend no more than 5% be withdrawn each year from your account. Fixed annuities, including multi-year guaranteed rate annuities, are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to restrictions, fees, and surrender charges as described in the annuity contract. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuer. Are you concerned about market volatility, rising taxes, economic uncertainty, and how it could all affect your future in retirement? Then tune into Another Money Show. 
to learn how you can protect and grow your hard-earned money. Another Money Show, every Saturday at noon, right here on 960 The Patriot. Protect your hard-earned money today and learn more at anothermoneyshow.com.